0: This podcast is about all things related to a disparate community of Americans without a name. For now, let's call us the AM, A-M-M, A for Arab, M for Muslim, and another M for Middle Eastern, by heritage and American by either choice or circumstance. But more importantly, we are separated and alienated from each other. It's time to get in front of the Islamophobic PR, clean out the cobwebs, and Get to the business of defining ourselves. We are here to elevate AM voices. You ready to hear some tough truths? I am Bana Shemada I'm Myra Sheik.
1: This is Ramish Nadim. I'm Roy Casagrande, and this is the defining moment.
0: All right, we spent a little bit of time last time, our very first episode, talking about what what we mean by AM, and we got into a discussion about why we even need to use M instead of Muslim. And the topic of race came up and racialization. And now we wanna, I think this episode, we wanna talk about how being Arab, Muslim, or Middle Eastern is related to race.
2: Yeah, so there's this really <laughs> weird way in which like growing up I continuously encountered like my ethnic identity in a certain kind of way when I would you know, have racist encounters, racist experiences with people wherever that was. And so there's this weird way in which like Muslimness kind of conjugates with a particular kind of nationality. So like being Pakistani, apparently you're automatically Muslim, being Egyptian, being Lebanese, being from any of these sort of Middle Eastern countries, whatever that means, you're automatically coded as Muslim. And so all of a sudden there's this sort of, physical features and physical attributes that are somewhat correlated with being Muslim but at the same time not and when we talk about things like Islamophobia oftentimes the feedback that I get or the sort of response that I get is that well Islam is an ideology so Islamophobia is nothing sort of race-based or skin-based it's just an ideological difference and we can talk it out when that is so different from the kind of experience of Islamophobia that I have in my day-to-day life.
0: So, So why would you call it something that has an affiliation with race
2: well because when i'm walking through the streets it's not like i'm professing my ideology to people when they're having these like certain encounters with me it's not like when they see me walking (coughs) with a brown face and a beard and all of this stuff or whatever i'm telling them hey i believe x y and z regardless of that belief they still encounter me in my body and at a fundamental sort of like uh face-to-face kind of level in what feels to me to be a racialized kind of way they code me as brown, they code me as Muslim, They, with or without me saying or professing or agreeing to any sort of ideology or not.
3: That's also true when you talk about, I'm going to use the phrase anti-Muslim bias um, because it, it encompasses a much broader category because, for example, you could be talking about the Sikh community and it's not their ideology necessarily that people would have a problem with mostly because they're ignorant to what that ideology is, but it's this idea, back to what Ramesh is saying, that when you look a certain way, which is quote unquote foreign or immigrant or whatever the case may be, you fall into these categories that are easily identifiable and translated into racial categories where basically people can say, oh, I don't like you, not because I know you or have any, you know, desire to have a conversation with you about your ideology, but just because your perceived race or grouping is something that I'm automatically biased towards.
1: And it also even gets more messy than that. So... This is a while back, uh, but I had a relative one day, we were on the phone talking, and she said to me, she's from my, <clears throat> so I present as white, just for the listeners, um, so I don't get the racism directly when I'm walking down the street, but she says to me, she's from my dad's side of the family, and who that's the European side, and she goes, well, you're one of them, and I said, what does that mean? and she goes you know you're one of them and i go do you mean i'm muslim because that's i couldn't figure out what them was in that moment and she goes yes and i go you've known me for 35 years i'm pretty sure i have a childhood memory of you going to church with my parents to my the coptic orthodox church how can you not know that i was raised christian and it didn't matter that at the end of the day no matter what you are at the in the eyes of the average person which, which this relative is very much average, you are Muslim regardless if you're from that part of the world. It is, it is a category, and it, and it is racialized. And one of the things, too, I think is the average American doesn't know the difference between Muslim and Arab. Right? Like, I think one, one of the things that I think is really fun is when you say the stats. So three-quarters of all Muslims in the United States are not Arab, and then three-quarters of all Arabs in the United States are Christian. And the stats, I think, really just mess with people because they're like, how can that be? I thought they were the same
3: thing. Exactly. I mean, there's this general idea also that If you're in one category, you're also in the other. So, the Arab and the Muslim thing is a really good example of that because, like, apparently, all are, you know, Muslims are Arab and all Arabs are Muslim. And then the rest of us hanging out over here. So, for example, if you're Southeast Asian, if you're Malaysian, Indonesian Muslim, people don't remember you exist. If you're, you know, Chinese Muslim, people don't remember you exist. And so, you might still get the racism if you present Muslim, but for the most part, you'll be, you know, privy to other forms of racism, but you don't necessarily get that. But if you're Arab, or, you know, you're in that Muslim category, you only get that one singular image of who you are. And so for a lot of us, so for example, I'm Pakistani American, and one, I don't, People, because I'm light-skinned, people look at me and they go, oh, but you don't look like those people. And then the second part is, is that you also are like, but you don't really exist in this category, but you're not Arab, you know, so how is that possible? So it's a very weird, confusing way of presenting. And I think a lot of us that don't necessarily fit into those categories and who struggle with our own identities also have trouble figuring out how to say or do any of these things or to combat them in ways that make sense.
0: Before we get into defining or trying to define what racialization even means, can we talk about like Roy? You talked about an experience. Can we talk about the experience of being racialized in the U.S.? So, Mary, you said you you have sort of whiter than normal skin. Like you are many shades lighter than either Ramish or
3: I. So, I just don't go outside. But <laughs> 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 but no, I mean. The funny thing is, is like when I look at my background, again being Pakistani American, I'm from a particular city called Lahore, and I look at other people that are from my family who live there or other people in, you know, in that city, they do look a lot like me. I'm not some sort of alien figure within that context because I have a particular background of being Kashmiri as well. So it's you know, I look like the people I come from, but to the people I'm interacting with in, you know, whether it be Texas or where I grew up in in Pennsylvania. It's a very different context. Even when I travel, people are like, but you don't look X, Y, Z, because the marker of where I come from is, you know, Indian Americans. And, yeah, Pakistanis do look different from Indians. And so when we don't fit into those categories, people are confused by us. Um, Growing up, I grew up in a predominantly white town um i don't think people realized except for my name maybe that i was like they i mean they knew i was like vaguely ethnic but like they didn't know like what i fit into because i didn't talk about it i was one of the only like muslim and one of the only brown kids in my school until you know high school and so they didn't didn't know what to do with that and even like i was in school when 9 11 happened no one said anything to me except like vague questions that people might have had um but there were two indian american kids in the school who were gujarati who people kept telling to go back to their country and so at the time i was like oh I'm safe. And then as I grew up and started to understand a lot of these issues more, it, it it spoke to me a lot about how much I had buried my own identity in that predominantly white school to the point where even like racist people didn't realize I was of a different race. And it was, you know, it's this crazy experience you have. So you were, you were kind of hiding behind the white I mean, I didn't think I was, but <clears throat> apparently, I mean, yeah, it was I mean, just, it was a weird experience. Again, it was also skin tone because the, the Gujarati American students were darker skin than I was, um, Again, it's just it's, it's those pockets that you exist in that people, even the racists, don't necessarily always see because we do such a good job of like masking ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a hard reality to contend with when you're in this country and you don't necessarily look like what people think you should look like.
2: For me growing up, I always had this sort of like divergent set of experiences. So like, for example, my mom's a hijabi. So whenever I would go out with her to the grocery store, to Walmart, to wherever else in my suburban Texas in like climate or whatever or atmosphere. And so, like, going to these uh, certain kinds of places, she would always get clocked a different kind of way. You could see when people sort of visually registered her, all of a sudden there would be a shift in body language, a shift in tone, all of that stuff. There have been a couple incidents where people would directly say something to her, uh, sometimes just, like, curious sort of questions, other times sort of a direct racial attack saying, hey, what are you doing here? You don't belong here, essentially, is the message I got. And I would have a very different sort of racialized experience when I went out with my dad or when I went out by myself. And so like seeing all those, there's a sort of weird way in which like certain kinds of that uh, of, of Islam are sort of visually encoded. So that was seen in my mom's uh, physical taking up of the hijab. There was some presumed um, Islamicness to her, some sort of taint, cultural taint that was also then transferred onto me. However, when I go off alone and I speak in my fluent English, all of a sudden I was relatively more free of that sort of cultural taint. Now, when, all of a sudden, when I shave versus when I don't shave my beard, I can see that same sort of encounter taking place. As well. So when I shave, I'm clean shaven, I look a different, very different kind of way, and people clock me and interact with me differently. When I have a little bit of, of beard going, then all of a sudden I'm red. I thought beard
0: is all the, th- the rave right now, right? Not, if you're, brown. Not if you're Not, brown. If you're brown. <laughs> Not if you're brown. Got it. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah, so even when it comes to sort of small experiences, like, for example, where I went to school, walking from, you know, the center of the town to my house, which was just a five or six minute walk away, I would repeatedly be sort of clocked by the same damn police officer uh, on that sort of walk. And he would sort of like slow down his patrol car, drive beside me for a while. And I was like, damn, we've done this every other week. You're the same damn guy. You know where I live at this point. What are you doing? But that experience was different Uh, whether or not I had the beard. So when I had the beard, I was clocked and racialized in a different kind of way than when I didn't have the beard.
1: For me, because I present as white, what I learned to do as a kid was simply just uh, not mention that I was Arab, and then I I was okay. Um, When I'm in the Middle East, uh, when I would have conversations with people, they would ask, where are you from? And then I would say, I'm Egyptian. And I would get no way. Not possible. So for me, the racism has always been from from Egyptians giving me racism because I can't fit. I will never be an Egyptian. Um, And it it used to frustrate me because when I look at my family, they're actually all pretty light-skinned as a general rule. So I have brown hair and green eyes. So... Uh, My Swedish grandmother had black hair and brown eyes. My Egyptian grandmother had blonde hair and green eyes. And so people would always be like, oh, you must take after your your European side. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I take after my Egyptian side. And, you know, like, so for me, it's always been this complicated mix of. So
0: if we define, if we define, and I'm using um, the People's Institute for Survival and Beyond's definition of this and I thank them for this. Um, but if we define racism as prejudice plus power, mm-hmm. right? In other words, they're, uh, your, your Egyptian family or a person of color, when presented with a person they conceive to not belong within their safe zone um, and, and whiter, or presenting as white, they will have prejudice and it's probably defensive prejudice, right? As far as Egypt, colonialism, the British, whatever. But if the person who's taking the stance doesn't have power and is in a right, would it, 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 it doesn't, by definition, by this particular definition, register as racism because there isn't a damn thing they can do to you.
1: So I would agree with that here in the United States. So in the United States, I can, I can leverage white privilege against a person of color. And, they, and that person of color has less power than I do just because of the way I look. Having said that, when I'm in Egypt, they do have power over me. And the power is a power of identity. They are negating a piece of my identity. They are negating a piece of who I am. And they're, they're saying, you're not one of us, you're not part of this group because you don't fit the paradigm, you don't fit our expectations.
2: But at the same time, the way those sort of like material structures, even in Egypt are set up, they're not – are they denying you any sort of material resource or facility or faculty in that denial of identity as well? Because you know, I think in like an American context, with that denial of identity or with that denial of like belonging to the dominant group, there also comes – a, uh, a denial or restriction or a lack of access to a certain set of like resources and privileges and powers, but in the Egyptian context, is the same thing uh, taking
1: place? So, of course not. So, for me, though, maybe this is because I'm upper middle class and money isn't the issue for me. Mm-hmm. That I think, if they were to take ten thousand dollars out of my pocket, or if they were to deny what my identity is, that the denial of identity is much worse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that—that that is erasure. Mm-hmm.
3: I think that I would fall somewhere in the middle of this conversation. So I tend to agree with Roy in the sense that when you're kind of dash American of any kind, it's hard to figure out where you fit in because obviously you're not American enough or you're not X, Y, Z enough. When it comes to the whole power structure, then I think that's a much more complicated conversation depending on where that place that you may come from or your family may originate is because, you know, denial of identity is one thing. And then what that looks like. So, for example, if I'm an American going back to Pakistan, my relationship when it comes to identity, will be that, oh, you're not, you know, you're not Pakistani, you're American. Um, But at the same time, because I'm American, because I have that, you know, really fun blue passport, that also means I have a relative, you know, increased power. I speak fluent English and all that kind of stuff. So it's a very complicated structure as to what we see in that Sort of space.
2: You talked about this dash identity. What do you mean by that?
3: So basically, if you're like Iranian American, Pakistani American, Egyptian American, whatever dash American you put in front of it, so to label yourself as a particular group that is American, but then also a little something extra, mm-hmm. um, is what I mean when I say dash American. Mm-hmm. The literacy moment.
1: But there's actually something really cool about that, and are not cool, but racist about that. And the racist thing is. That when we talk about white people, we don't put the dash, we just say American. What we should be doing is we should be saying European-American.
3: But I mean, a lot of people do do that, though, because I remember at least when I was like, I would say like high school, college, at that time it was really cool to be like, oh, I'm like a quarter British and a quarter Swedish. And like people would actually say it. But then they don't say
1: I'm European-American, they say I'm American.
3: No, no, they still – they would say – at least I'm talking about in, like, that specific context – a lot of people I knew would still be like, oh, I'm, like, British, blah, 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 even though it had not been for generations. And so it's a very – I think it kind of depends on what's cool at the moment to say, but I think a lot of people, especially – Um, second generation now, we've gotten used to the idea of calling ourselves American, even though it felt very different before.
2: Well, but there's, I feel like when I call myself American to certain folks, there's this lingering question in the air until I introduce my dashed identity of like, where are you from? What do you mean? And I think that same question is not, asked of these people that you were talking about earlier who maybe say when they're asked you know I'm a quarter of british I'm an atheist. that's certainly
3: that. true all i'm saying is that it was at some point it was also cool and this is probably like i'm aging myself now the late like or like the mid like 2000s I think at that at some point it was like cool that's to like how be they age themselves they talk about mid 2000s sorry <laughs> so that's so cute but yeah so like you know it, it was like kind of trendy at some point to like be not just like a generic American that it was cool at some point to be that because it you still have that privilege and I don't mean like it's – they don't try to be the same as us. You're absolutely right that it's still like they get to just say American without question and we don't um, if we present as something else. And then – but it's like it, it's still trendy at some point to like be, you know, of other backgrounds.
1: And then also to add to that, Native Americans have to put something in front of their American. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's the perfect thing. Yeah. So um, I think we have time to do one extra thing. But before we get there, which is I, I wanted to take some time to just talk about – talk about um, our backgrounds and and sort of um, our positionality coming to this discussion. But can we talk about blackness for a second? Go for it. Um, So So –
2: Disclaimer: There are no black people in the room. Yeah, right there now. are no
0: black people in the room. Um, I
1: am I, half African.
0: Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> the, well, the white guy claiming.
1: There we go. Uh, the white guy claiming there goes that he's identity African. Identity being yeah. erased. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: so okay, so so I, I just want to say that 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 uh, black Muslims have not come into this discussion, or uh, just black folk in general who are am um and that i think that's one of the biggest folks who get erased um when we have this when when sort of um people from this region or am have discussions who are not black um, have discussions amongst amongst ourselves so yeah can can we talk about why that happens
2: Well, I think if, like, whiteness and blackness have been set up in such opposition to each other and we fall in this sort of, like, gray in betweenness, we also, as a group, as as sort of this, like, um, maybe emerging sort of... The emerging sort of solidarity and identity around this, like, am category positions itself in opposition to blackness and towards a certain kind of whiteness. So we, when we come to this... When we come to America, we look around, we can see that, okay, we don't want to be in the position of these black folks or whatever. So we consciously sort of disavow... (laughs) that particular kind of like ethnic identity. We constantly sort of say, we are not black, we're closer to y'all whites in a
0: certain kind of so way. So I have a question. If y'all go to your parents and ask them, let's say you've never had this discussion before, and you ask them, well, how do you know, um, among sort of these racial categories, where do you think you fall? What would they tell you?
3: It's an interesting question. I feel like my parents' example- You, you have story. choice,
0: you have Asian, black, And Caucasian? What would what would they?
3: I think my parents would say Asian. They're pretty, they're pretty Pakistani. I mean, in the sense that like they, I don't think that. But Asian, as it is understood in the United States. I mean, Asian as they understand it. Again, my parents are first generation, like most other.
2: They know what to put what on I'm the with. census forms. They know how to put down Asian. So if
3: we wanted to talk about Mongoloid,
0: Negroid, and Caucasoid, right? Which I think that's a... why I was
3: asking the question. Right.
0: So this is like up until the nineteen fifties. This is the again. Thank you, People's Institute for Survival and Beyond, for these for for this language. If we wanted to place it in this particular way, what would your parents say they would
3: fall under? Parents would. I'm assuming they would say Mongoloid. I don't know, but like. They're also relatively, I would say, I'm, so in the 80s, like when people were migrating from that part of the world, like it was a different, like they were people who had college educations, people that were comfortable being of a certain identity, at least in the category that they came in. So I don't know that, that my parents are a good example of this or maybe.
0: We've had, in, uh,
3: what, what would what
0: would your parents? Uh, they'd
2: have to say Montcloy. No.
3: Yeah.
2: I think they would very consciously, they, they're aware that they are not red so, again, and coded as South white asian they is, know is a that they're not category, yeah. uh black and so whatever is left for them
0: mongoloid m- the, yeah. is is east asian though as a category but, but, that's but, what but, the, that's but if that's those are the, the three States options i not. understand but this is a new c- the census is not particularly based on no, right no but U.S. It's US a law, uh,
1: law, but w- was so clear about this that i think it was 1920 it might have been a little bit afterwards uh a man from north India sued. Because he wanted to have U.S. citizenship, and the law was very clear that, right, because there were three races, you've already expressed them, if you weren't white or black, you could not become a U.S. citizen. You could not become naturalized. I, I and am he, not- And he was defeated, even though in the court case- I understand. He said, I'm 100% Aryan. Right. Exactly. So I, I completely And in that, under- he
2: actually, the, the, the legal arguments actually purposefully disavowed, they said that well, in India, we have this particular kind of caste system. The natives in the India, they're Mongoloid, but these conquering people, which this particular family he claimed to be from, these conquering Aryan people, they're Caucasian, actually. And so it was this distancing from this sort of idea of this Mongoloid native Indian population and this idea of uh, the fact that there was the language, even the legal language that was used, even sort of gestured to this idea that like... Um, the way that this particular family, his particular family, interacted with the Native population was analogous to that of the way white folks here interacted with the Black population here. So I'm
0: not talking about the perception of the white person. I'm not talking about the laws that we have to grapple with and we have to sort of work around and the language that we have to use to be able to speak to a white imaginary. What I'm talking about is the person from the subcontinent or the iranian or the arab when they sit with themselves they see themselves as caucasian
3: i don't think that's true though you don't i agree think with like so? not i mean i can't say across the board so we have to separate arab or persian or anything from at least South Asian. I can I can't speak to anything else, but I can say South Asian that my parents would do exactly what Ramesh just described. They're but like, Okay, well, is, we're not white, what, we're not how black. How do you we're visually
0: look that different from Iranians? South Asians and It's Iranians not about are...
3: vision. It's a, I think it's about perception. So we no, I don't think I've ever heard a South Asian person unless they're mixed identify as truly Caucasian. I mean, they just don't. I, I mean, maybe I've missed so it. I'm not. Here's the here's thing. <laughs> like, I'm well, really. Even, that, even I'm, that only
2: in the legal situation. Yeah, it's and
3: really I mean,
0: so this is a real question is, yeah. for me now.
3: This is an absolutely
0: real question. Given someone from Vietnam or from China and an Iranian, you're telling me that a Pakistani would find more kinship as far as phenotypically and DNA or whatever with the. With the Vietnamese than the Iranian,
3: I don't think they're thinking that deeply, and correct me if you think well, that's wrong, my but point, like, though. But the point is have exactly what he just said. Have they into
0: the categorization? Have they placed themselves? Oh, no. Have I Have they there's squeezed a... themselves into a particular?
2: I think there's a very conscious sort of, like, idea that, okay, we at home, we're see, we interact with other thisy people, all that stuff or whatever. They see we being South Asian. They see being South Asian. Thank you that being our own sort of like racial taxonomy and classification. And there's a very conscious idea that like, okay, our racial taxonomies, our sort of classification systems or whatever, aren't what's going on in this census form. And it's silly, but we still have to fill it out.
3: Again, going back to the idea that, okay, we don't fit into category A, which is whiteness, B, which is blackness. What else is left? It's mongoloid. Great. Okay, fine. We'll be that.
0: And yet in these undoing racism workshops that I am affiliated with, there is not a single time when a South Asian, whether they are Muslim or not, is asked, because there's a part of the Undoing Racism workshop, the PSAP workshop, where the audience is asked to place themselves into one of the several categories. And in in the in, it's not just the three that I just named, there's also Latinx and uh, Native American. And they say they they really they have major trouble saying that we're asian not a single time has that not happened
3: because asian is a vast category yeah, i mean that's I it problems that's saying what i because yeah. like asian also means a bunch of different things so asian could also again mean chinese it means you know japanese it mm-hmm, means mm-hmm, whatever and so like all this other like i can see that that would be an issue because i have that same problem and ramish you might as well five minutes but so like it's the same – like you you have that problem because that category is too vast and you feel like you as an individual person or you as a, the subcontinent or whatever, like some chunk of that, don't necessarily get to have that individualized representation with the broader category. But again, this is personal experience. I don't think I've ever come across, at least in the current context, a person who's like, oh, I'm see going back to that term, but I identify white because – the term Asian doesn't work for me. Like, I've never heard anyone say that specifically. Like, we all identify as they see, and there's other issues within that. But when we look at, like, a form that says, okay, are you, you know, white, are you Latinx, or whatever, like, whatever the form will say on there, am I going to check Asian every time? Yeah, I'm going to check Asian every time, because Asian includes us.
0: So I, I don't think we have time to get into this conversation, but I wanted to start the conversation here so that we could talk about Middle Eastern and North African and how we have been given the platter, right, to join the club, and how, what the reaction for Arabs or North Africa, you know, North Africans, Arabs, Middle Easterners, Iranian Americans, um, how that experience is different. Um,
1: Turks and Jews.
0: Turks and Jews. Yeah. Zarkazians. I mean. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Yes. Um <laughs> yes. Um I don't think we quite um touched on blackness um and what brownness means um despite having light-colored skin and being either desi or an american etc. I'm hoping we will keep getting deeper and deeper into these discussions that, uh, into this discussion and these conversations will become richer and thicker and um as we as we progress we we were trying to figure out how to what the outro, what the ending of this program was gonna look like and we we decided we were gonna say we we ha, we haven't really figured it out. We're gonna test something out though. Um, thank you for listening. Um I'm Banav inajat Chodah and
3: this is Mara Sheikh Shabakhe.
2: This is Ram Shadim Adios Roy Casagranda Masalam <laughs>
4: Ya da bilsen ne hoş neşesine baygınım sarhoşum sarhoş neşesine baygınım sarhoşum sarhoş gözünde bir ışık Hoshum shum sar Shoot.